So what if instead of focusing on trying to figure out alcohol, you tried to figure out yourself. You learned how to do all of the things that you think alcohol is doing for you, but better. You tapped into really understanding what the messages from your body meant and how to use your emotions to your advantage and how to really expand your desires to get what it is you finally really want and have real, lasting, sustainable pleasure. That is possible for you, and it is all available to you in the self-study course, The Naturally Sober Woman. It is everything that I teach my one-on-one clients, but it is compact for you, lifetime access on demand at a super affordable price available to you right now. You're going to go to my website, marywagstaffcoach.com, right there. It'll say self-study course or follow the link in the show notes right here. Get in there. One short video, just the welcome ceremony. There's a commence, a beautiful commencement ceremony that really anchors you into your intention for wanting to make this change into your life will change your life forever. It'll put you on a trajectory of new possibility because the bigger your desire is, the easier it's going to be to say goodbye to alcohol. So go on over to my website, get inside of the Naturally Sober Woman, and I will see you in there. Welcome, welcome. My name is Mary Wagstaff. I am a holistic alcohol coach who ended a 20-year relationship to alcohol without labels, counting days, or ever making excuses. Now I help women just like you from around the world eliminate their desire for alcohol by claiming themselves as author of their own life. In this podcast, we will explore the revolutionary approach of my Stop Drinking and Start Living program that gets alcohol out of your way by breaking all of the rules of what you thought was possible and the profound journey that it is to rediscover who you are on the other side of alcohol. I am so excited that you are here. Now on with the show. Welcome back to the show, my beautiful listeners. Thank you so much for being here for another episode. If you're new to the show, welcome. You have a seat in our circle here. And I'm just getting so excited because I've been working on this program diligently and with you in mind. And I, it's just so thrilling to know the possibility of you know what's going to happen, first of all, when we come together, but really... Um, really being able to more and more live into the result of what it means to have alcohol out of your way, which is life is easier without alcohol. And right now, you're in this thought process of fear just of the absence of it. But when you really think about why you want it out of your way. It's because it's become complicated, right? It's like taking up so much of your space. So life truly is easier at, without alcohol and there's more space for new things, right? There is less worry because the alcohol itself is creating so much worry. But with the process of the Stop Drinking um, and Start Living program, you are really also learning how to mitigate external stress and really learning how to look at your mind from all these different places. But the alcohol right now in your life is at least 50% of the buildup of the pressure that you're trying to relieve daily. And so, you know, it might be easy to say no once in a while to a drink for a day or two. And then it's like, oh, I have this urge. And even the future focused thoughts of like, forever, right, are so scary. And I just want to tell you that that's totally normal, but you never have to make a decision about forever. You just decide in this moment that it's not working. And then we work to reduce your desire. And then when you have reduced desire for alcohol, that's when life gets easier because you're not you know, fighting yourself. So we have to start the process though by you and you, the two people that are always in the room being on the same page, you know, which is the part of you that has the learned behavior of alcohol, but then the part of you that really wants change. And that's what we work on in the program is really learning how to cultivate a conversation between those two parts of you that supports validation versus, you know, this, um, 
constant debating. So instead of debate, we validate, which is kind of one of the big problems in our world is like, we're always debating these polarized ideas, but like we can find common ground. We are human. Like you literally are on the same team. You know, I always think about that with my family. It's like, why are we, are you, we're actually on the same team here. Um, so I am thrilled to be showcasing today one of my amazing, courageous, beautiful clients. Her name is Laura, and she is so inspiring because she talks about it. She has got this like carpe diem mentality, and you know, alcohol was just getting in her way. And when we started, and the reason that I um, titled this episode the way that I did is because she, and she talks about the show, she wanted to put alcohol in its place. Like the place that it was and the place that it is for you, it's like in the forefront, right? And it's kind of clouding everything because you're thinking about it when you don't want to be. That is solvable. And Laura talks about how her process and the process of coaching with me, um, but the things I wanted to, I just want you to really listen for is how she talks about replacing resistance with curiosity, okay? Because at the beginning, she was very resistant to the idea of, you know, not having like a weekly at least drink, right? And then she talks about how moderation takes up so much time and energy more than just not drinking. So we're trying to bargain with ourselves to moderate, but that ends up taking up just as much time or more because you're like negotiating with yourself all the time. So we talk about this concept of taking it down to the studs and you really have to eliminate the alcohol and then from the place of curiosity all the way down, go through all of the the scenarios that you're nervous about right now from a place of curiosity and compassion to really see the difference, right? To have something to compare it to. Because right now you're in it, you're thinking it's forever, right? But, or like, oh, I'm just going to take a break just to say that I can. But none of that's really doing anything because it is the mindset shift. And then she really talks about the impact that it's had on her life, that she has reduced her desire for alcohol to such a degree. And she's, you know, we talk about this too, that the beliefs take time to build. So there are some other beliefs in there that she hasn't had enough time to really find evidence for, but she's reduced her desire to such a degree that she's never going back. That On a daily basis, some of the things that used to create triggers and urges are no longer doing that. And she has really filled her life up with um, the capacity for higher states of consciousness, for more thinking, for more heart coherence that she talks about. Um, and so I just want to say thank you, Laura, for your time and for your bravery and your expression and all of your the amazing work that you've done for yourself and for the world. Um, so enjoy this enjoy this episode and really just think about this in in relationship to you, right? And this is what we're going to do in the Stop Drinking, Start Living program is when we have our live coaching calls, you are seeing the framework of your own life through the lens of what someone else is being coached on. Maybe it's you, but maybe it's someone else. And the reason this is so powerful is because we have to hear something multiple times and sometimes from multiple different perspectives for it to really land. And what I know about alcohol and coaching so many women on alcohol is that the problems are very similar. The brain works in the same way. So when we're using this formula, the stop drinking and start living process, you're really getting to say you're having so many more aha moments because you're not just hearing it through my voice and through your head. You're seeing it through the lens of so many other people, right? And it's very specific. It's reducing our desire and attachment for alcohol. And that's what we're here for. And that's why the process is so expedited. But when stuff pops up that you're not planning on, you know, we have a the wheel of the year of like, there's all these different things that happen or things that completely out of your control and unexpected that you couldn't pre-plan for, you know, then you have the support forever. And that's why I designed it in this way. So you could get the, the results that you want very dramatically reduce your desire for alcohol within 90 days, and then you have a lifetime to get support if you need it, right? I am 
very, very excited to have a wonderful, inspired, just really courageous guest on who is a client of mine. And I wanted to welcome her to the show. Laura, thank you so much for being here. Right. Thank you. It's, it's wonderful to be here. Yes, I know it's been a little bit. So I'm so excited to chat with you. Um, I just wanted to start out by having you tell the audience and our listeners a little bit about what feels important to share about yourself right now. Sure. Well, I guess just the high points. Um, I'm in my early 40s. I'm a single mom, corporate, corporate chica, for sure. That's kind of been my background. Um, And what drew me, though, to working with you is um, I got to the point in my life where I felt like alcohol was this cloud over my life. Um, I just didn't like the amount of time I spent thinking about it, let alone, you know, I wasn't necessarily you know drinking constantly, obviously, but I just didn't like the presence it had in my life. Again, I have a daughter who's almost eight now. And these are those precious years where I know how I want to show up as a mom and I have goals for myself. And, um, also a big fan of astrology, as we've talked about was heading into my midlife, important midlife transit where things kind of come to a head. And I knew that. And so, um, yeah, I made a conscious decision to just finally look at this. And another topic on my mind at the time was feminine embodiment. Again, as a, a woman in corporate America, I also studied engineering and grew up on a farm. I had a ton of masculine influence. I'm certainly a product of harnessing that influence for, for my own good. And I've, I've achieved, you know, stability, really like financial independence and stability in my life as a result of it. But I've struggled with the feminine and understanding it. I'm very aware of it, but I was struggling with, okay, I feel like I've got a couple things I'd love to address right now. This cloud of alcohol, I don't like it. Like, can it just go away? And then the other one was the femininity. And when I met you and we got to talking, I mentioned that when you said like literally melding the two topics could be like the thesis of your work. I mean, that solidified it for me. So it's just been an absolute pleasure working with you. Um, again, going through this time in my life where knowing that I was going to probably be evaluating a lot of things, you know, you were, you were a catalyst to so much really good change that I've made and I continue to make. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's what you need to know about me and how I come to work with Mary. That's amazing. And well, since we're just kind of talking on the topic, cause I feel like before we get, you know, started recording, we were talking about this idea of masculine and feminine. And what did you think the feminine had to offer you that you weren't, that you were missing? Like, what were you, what were you thinking was missing from your life? In that um, I mean, I just, I didn't know how to be feminine. I, I had this idea in my head, I guess I knew, I, I knew, I believed that what being able to be feminine would bring me would be a healthy relationship. Like I've known for a long time that I want a masculine partner again, like romance and a long-term partnership was always something that's never quite worked out for me, despite my best efforts, <laughs> which were all very masculine driven. <laughs> um, so um, I just didn't know how to be feminine. I didn't know how to tap into that just inherent side of me. Um, but I knew there was benefit to it. And I think my, he- like, again, hesitancies around it were a lot of it tapping into the feminine felt like I would be giving up power or giving up or being silly or dumb, you know? And that, again, I just, I was like, I can't find a version of femininity that works for me. It just doesn't feel authentic. And so again, I was just kind of at my wits end with that topic a bit. And I don't know, like, is there an answer out there that works for me? So yeah, yeah, that's how I'd summarize that. I love that you mentioned that about, you know, giving up your power, being silly or, you know, any of those things. And I think there is a little bit of some of that, like not necessarily giving up your power, but surrender, which is something that we kind of talked about a little bit too, before of like that idea of being, but, you know, um, international women's day, the theme was breaking the bias. And I feel like that's such a powerful topic for not only what breaking the bias around alcohol or wanting to change your relationship to alcohol is, but also with, with femininity and how those two can tie together, that there is this bias of being more feminine is like a less than, 
But when we invited it in to changing your relationship to alcohol, what was that lens for you? Well, that was, that was for me, again, once you said that there was this tie and you, you piqued my interest, I'm like, let's do this. Let's work together. But yeah, I think the, the big thing for me that I learned right away with you was alcohol numbs your ability to feel. And if you want to be in your feminine, the first thing you need to do is feel. And I was like, oh, well, my God, you know, like I've got this, this, this is the core to my struggle. You know, like these two things that have been bugging me are so related. Um, And so from that point forward, I mean, like the path was pretty clear. It's like, okay, I definitely want to figure out, you know, around like what's causing the cloud around alcohol. Again, so much brain science there, which, um, you know, tapping into that getting, getting, you know, just getting clear on that and understanding it again. I'm a, I'm a very logical thinking person. If I can understand the logic around it, then I'll, that creates a little motivation for me for sure. Um, and then, um, yeah, I don't know, I guess just, you know, again, that drive to unearth that feminine curiosity became another key factor in our work. That was probably the biggest component that propelled me to, to my biggest breakthroughs with, with my relationship with alcohol was the curiosity. Yeah. I love this. You know, I just want to reiterate, it's like the feminine is feeling right. And alcohol thumbs your ability to feel right. And really so much of being human is feeling emotion. Right. And it's like the, it's this kind of miraculous awe inspiring, you know, facet of our existence because consciousness alone is just consciousness sitting there. And until it's embodied in the human form, it's kind of could be kind of boring, right? It's like, we're waiting for this moment and then we're here, but we don't, there's so much of the ego. There's so much of the judgment that there, that this is weak, that this is that because of all the stereotyping and, you know, indoctrination. We lose that. We do. And I mean, it's interesting. Well, one of the things we talked about, I, at, towards the end of our work together, I went to this week long retreat with Joe Dispenza of meditation. And, um, one of the things that someone brought up to me there and I took away in a very powerful way was, do you know how special it is that you exist? You know, and, and I truly, I believe, yes, we are consciousness incarnate here in this 3d reality during this lifetime. There are other, I believe there are other dimensions, other consciousness exists in other dimensions, but they, not all consciousness is here on earth at this time. And so what a gift, what a rare, precious gift do we, like one person that I met said, do you know how, do you know what had to happen for you to exist right now in your body? Do you like go back generations? How many people had to live their lives and choose to procreate together to create you? And I was like, oh yeah, you know? And so I, um, one of the, I made a mind movie, which is a thing that you do with Joe Dispenza or you can, but my very last piece of my mind movie is about, it's literally this like 3d, like it's, it's so special to be here. Honor that, cherish that. And yeah, those other dimensions of consciousness, like as far as we know, they don't have bodies that feel they're not. And that there's also this theory that they're connected. Like there's unified consciousness. There's not separateness, mm-hmm. the separateness that we have human to human here on earth. We don't even think about it. I mean, it's like, again, you don't come into this this body and this consciousness with this awareness of the collective consciousness, you have to figure this out while you're here. And so it's like, Oh my God, I have my, I'm a sovereign being. I'm my own body. I am like physically separate from another. I have the ability to feel my own feelings based on my consciousness. Oh my gosh. Like, again, once you embrace all that, like truly, yeah. How special is that? And are you really, are you really taking advantage of it? You know, I don't, I think so many of us don't cause it's like, huh? Like how aware do you have to be to get to that point? It's yeah. Pretty aware. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's the idea of people are, you know, scared of what they don't know. Right. And, and also being taught that certain feelings are bad or wrong or, or whatever, but there's so much more to, um, to sensuality, right. In this lifetime than sexuality. 
And, you know, the, the senses can be so pleasurable, um, but it's just, you know, not slowing down enough. And that's the thing. It's like, people want to check out or have a head change, but I'm like, just become really aware of our, your existence. It's a pretty big trip. Like it's a, it's pretty wild when you just like really think about it. And so, um, you know, that I'm glad we're talking about this because yeah, this is the process of awakening because everyone knows I don't use the term recovery or any labels like that, but it's like, I'm awakening to this existence, to this life, to my human potential, to my self-authority. And, and, you know, you are just such a beautiful example of wanting all of that and being like, you know, that some of that masculine drive, I think is what gets you there too, to like, let me have all of it, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Big big time, big time. (laughs) I am a carpe the DM. I think yes. I'd be carpe the fuck out of the DM. A lot yes. of swearing is okay. So. Yes, of course. <laughs> um, so I would just love for our listeners to know a little bit, a little bit about your background with alcohol. Um, mm-hmm. Just so they know, you know, what is it, what did it look like in your life? Like growing up and, you know, just the day-to-day culture. Cause everyone thinks like, I live in a drinking culture, but I'm like, well, we all live in a drinking culture. So yeah, tell me a little bit about why you started to drink and when and how that was introduced into your life. Yeah. I mean, growing up, it was definitely around. My father was a drinker. My mother really wasn't. Uh, it, it was it was there, though. I didn't, but I didn't, I mean, I wasn't into it at all growing up. I didn't, I think I experimented with a little bit last year of high school and then drank in college. Um, but I would say it didn't become it didn't, it didn't start to become a habit really until after college. Um, when I started working and just that routine of like the work day and then cocktail hour, whatever. Um, and then I guess as my adult life progressed, um, I mean, you know, I, I didn't become a mom until I was almost 35, but I definitely noticed the routine that I settled into as a mom was when I started to just really get impatient with the presence of it in my life. Up until becoming a mom, it was kind of like, oh, it's just what I do. And it was, I'd have good days and bad days, you know, go out, drink with your girlfriends. I, I, I always had a job. I was always working out. I was always just a productive, you know, I don't know, I guess just contributing member of society. But yeah, I would go out and kind of like have fun on the weekends, you know, a few, few drinks here during the week, but I'd have hangovers. I'd have bad days. My friends and I would joke about it, things like that. But then when I became a mom, it was, I don't know. I think like, you know, a lot of moms, young kids, I have, I only have one, but like mommy drinks wine to cope. I mean, that was definitely my life for a while. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, went through a divorce in there too. Um, but for me, again, the the cloud became a, a pain for me or just, it, it, it became something that really bothered me as my daughter got old enough to notice it. And I thought back to my childhood and some of the negative experiences I'd experienced with it. And I just, I, I just was like, I don't want to have that presence with my daughter. And I know that I am capable. I, I believe in myself. I believe in my abilities. I've seen proof of things I've done in my life before. I know I'm capable of doing some great things. And I just I had to ask myself the question, is alcohol getting in my way? Or if I, if I don't change any of this, I get to the end of my life. Is there a chance that I'll look back and say, you know, I wonder what would have happened had I maybe done something about my drinking habit or the the presence that I allowed alcohol to have. And the answer was yes. And I was like, I got to do something. Mm -hmm. I I just, I have to do something about it. And so again, I, it's just, it's always been around. It's, it's been portrayed as a quote unquote thing to be aware of, or, you know, I've got some alcoholism in my family. I never felt that that whole line of like, Oh, I'm powerless over alcohol. That never resonated with me. Um, I knew that there was an empowering answer to this, this thing in my life that wasn't hundred percent healthy. And so working with you was wonderful because I found it. Yeah. There, there is an empowering answer. Yes. Yes. I, so what, what did it had you, and we can get to what that empowering answer is, but, um, what had you tried before to change your relationship to alcohol? Oh yeah. 
I mean, a lot, <laughs> you know, um, the whole like only drink on the weekends, only have one, alternate drinking wine with water. Um, I don't know, water down the wine. I like sometimes our white wine, I'll put ice cubes in it. I mean, all those little tricks. Um, yeah. Yeah. So bargaining with yourself, making rules and yeah. Trying. Yeah. Yeah. So why do you think that that didn't stick? Well, it didn't stick because I wasn't aware of, I mean, I was trying to solve a problem with just thinking just again, if we want to go back to masculine and feminine, you know, it's just, this is a, a neurological habit that's that's a it's a super highway that's developed in your brain and i think if you want to unravel anything that has to do with that you have to you have to take you have to you have to bust out every tool in the human toolbox and there's masculine tools and there's feminine tools and there wasn't any feminine approach there like acknowledging my feelings allowing myself to feel you know, it was all, and it was all very fear-based. Like I, I wanted to get it under control, but I also didn't want to have to give and give it up. And I was afraid of giving it up or people, you know, judging me a certain way, like, oh, she's got a problem and she can't handle it. So she just has to not drink. Mm-hmm. Like, again, you have, you have to go through the full spectrum of emotional evaluate, like evaluating all those emotions, coming to terms with them. And again, getting curious enough with them to allow yourself to fully explore them. Mm-hmm. If you're driven by fear. You're not going to fully look at them. You're just not going to go there. And I, I, I know that fear drives people in different ways. For me, the key to balancing the fear was curiosity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. So what happened to some of those beliefs, those fear-based beliefs? Um, I mean, I, I just, I think in, 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 in allowing myself to feel and get curious, I realized that there were things that I cared about more than I don't, then what drinking brought me in the past, I guess, or what the drinking habit brought me in the past, I got way more curious about like, well, what's it like to go a whole week without drinking or a whole month without drinking? That was all of a sudden, like, I wanted to feel that Mm -hmm. I wanted to feel what like the struggle would feel like if it was going to be a struggle or feel what the joy would feel like. Um, Another thing that overlaid all of this was I had a horrible, horrible sleeping problem. Like, you know, um, and that's gone, you know, I totally, I have no problem sleeping now as long. Yeah. When I, and I, and again, I haven't completely given up alcohol, but it's become as I've, as I've like, I went through this process, we called like taking it down to the studs where I went close to three months without drinking at all. And then I introduced it a little here and there. And I've now noticed like, if I have just one drink, like my sleep is not what it could be. And, and to me now it's just, I almost look at like, Oh, do I want a cocktail is literally saying, do I want to give up a less than perfect night's sleep tonight? Mm-hmm. You know? So again, but like, I just, I, when I started at the beginning, I just knew I had a problem with sleep. I thought it was all because of having become a mom and my sleep patterns got messed up. I mean, I was taking melatonin to sleep and all this stuff. And I just didn't think that a life without having sleep issues was possible. And then all of a sudden one day, I just, I don't know, somehow I just tried not taking it because I felt sleepy at night one night. And then I worked, I'm like, wow, I slept last night. So then I just kept trying it. And then I, you know, it's just, it was a miracle to me. Mm -hmm. That was a, that was a miracle, a big miracle piece of the process. Yeah. Yeah. So you had mentioned, uh, and I'm so glad, I mean, we sleep is so underrated (laughs) in our culture. It's like, I mean, if you pay attention to like the key components of life, it's like, it's like number one, right? I mean, it's so important. It is. I've been, I recently discovered the work, I think his name's Matthew Walker, but he wrote a book called why we sleep. And I've been listening, I haven't read the book, but I've been listening to him on some podcasts. And I mean, if you go I think it can be, it can be as little as four days. Certainly if you hit like five, six, seven days without sleep, you will die. Like mm-hmm. sleep is as important as so many other things that we 
already that we already think are super important for our health and it's super underrated. You're right. Mm -hmm. Well, right. And then I think, you know, it's like some of the, all of the external factors too, that can then affect the, and create urges or create the desire to drink too. Right. It's like, Oh, I'm tired at the end of the evening. I need a little like pick me up or whatever, just to kind of get through or irritability or whatever it is. And so it's like, when we can have, you know, some harm, harmony, inner harmony in the body and balance, um, it just all kind of starts to level itself out. Um, you know, alcohol becomes so much of the stressor that you're trying to relieve itself. You know, the, the, the pressure of the urge becomes, you know, at least half or more. And then, you know, and I want to ask you about, about the rest of like the impact on your life, but you know, so it's like when you're taking care of some of those things, then the desire does change. But you had mentioned this concept, taking it down to the studs, which is something that, you know, you and I talked about and coached on. Um, why was that, you know, you touched on it briefly, but as far as eliminating or, and, or drastically reducing your desire and attachment to alcohol, why was it so important to do that versus just like the bargaining or trying not to drink a few days <laughs> moderating? Yeah. yeah. Moderating. Well, that, I think I, I, it's funny how I've, I've now used this term, taking it down to the studs in other areas of my life. We're doing something around it at work right now. Where I'm trying to push us to do it. Anyway, um, when you first brought up the concept, I totally poo-pooed the idea because again, I was driven by fear and then we, you took me through this exercise. What were some beliefs I had about alcohol that I know aren't true And what are beliefs about alcohol that I still think are true? And the only one on that list was a life lived without alcohol would be a life lived in deprivation. Mm -hmm. And so I remember then we got on our next call and we talked about that one. And you said, could you reframe it to, um, I'm curious about what a life without alcohol would be like. How does that feel? And I'm like, well, that doesn't feel as. (laughs) it doesn't feel depriving it feels like again curious or then she then you even said like I mean could you consider for a moment that could you at least allow yourself to wonder would a life without alcohol even be liberating and I was like well yeah I guess I could allow myself to think that like you're not asking me to do it but you're asking me to just consider thinking it I'm like I can think that so then I kind of marinated on that for a week or two. And then I decided I really am curious about what it'd be like to take it down to the studs to like consciously not drink for a notable period of time. And I did it. I remember we talked about it like in October and I, I had a, I had booked a like literally a wine tour weekend with my sister and my sister-in-law and my mom. And I was like, go like, I, if I could cancel the trip and, you know, I probably would, but I'm like, I'm not going to go on a wine weekend. So anyway, I decided I was going to take it down to the studs after that weekend. And I did. And I went through Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, all this past year for the first time in my adult life without alcohol. And honestly, like what I learned was when you commit to doing it that way, like you just like drinking is just not what I do. Like, it's not hard to not drink if you've just decided I'm not really going to, I'm not going to drink. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple urges, only two times I really remember feeling an urge and they weren't notable moments, really. They were just, it was actually when I was home with my family and like one night prepping for dinner, I was like, oh, I noticed I have an urge. I'm like, eh, well, no, <laughs> but I'm like, no, I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. I think the other one was on New Year's. I just was like, oh, that may, I'm kind of curious about maybe what a glass of wine would be like, but I'm like, man, no. Mm-hmm. I want to like, I kind of want to go to bed early. That's what was my thought on new year's Eve. Right. And I'm like, you know, and I, I, I can drive myself home and go do that if I want to do that. So, but yeah, going, I would, I just got curious about what it'd be like to do that. Here's what I took away from it though. When you do that, you truly like we and you could do this with alcohol. You do it with a social media break. What you will see is contrast. And I was like journaling about this the other day. Like, I almost feel like one of the keys to like truly learning something is being able to see the contrast, like with this, without this, or just like, this is my lens that I view the world through versus this person has a totally different lens. And it's like, I'm always amazed by that too. If I can understand someone else's unique 
viewpoint, like, again, some people are just motivated by different things, not bad or good. It's just different. But to see that contrast for me was so powerful. I was like, yeah, I don't, I don't ever want to go back to the way I was. Um, like another thing you mentioned is like how, like, um, how, how eliminating it will level out other areas of your life or the stress, like what causes you to drink or very early in the process, we, you had me tracking urges and like, what, what, what was ultimately like my thought related to why I was drinking or the feeling I was feeling. And I, the pattern I pulled out was like 90% of the time, it was some form of a stress. And it was, it's really kind of funny to look at what was stressing me out. It was little things like my daughter had just gotten home and the dogs were hyper. Like just all of a sudden, like the house got busy and that made me stressed out. Like my dogs were hyper that warranted me needing a glass of wine. Really? Like, again, when you take it down to the studs and you look back on that, the contrast, it's just like, wow. And, but it, it, eliminating it does level you out and it, it allows you more of this time to feel your feelings and get good at feeling your feelings, get good at dealing with the ups and the downs. They're not a big deal. If you like, like, I mean, if you allow yourself to feel a negative motion, like once a year, it's going to be a big deal. If you (laughs) allow yourself to feel a negative emotion every day or multiple times a day, you're like, Oh, well, whatever. That'll pass. I mean, it's not a big deal. And man, it's just so liberating to know that like, I mean, it's kind of laughable. You look back, I'm like, wow, I really felt like I was just having to cope with it by drinking, but man, the damage I was doing to my body, I get my sleep patterns. And I mean, I'm a little trimmer now. I feel good. You know, I mean, it's, it's so worth it. And just the peace of mind. Oh my gosh. It's yeah. That, that was, that was taking it down to the studs contrast. I, 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 the value of contrast is really powerful for me. Yeah. I love that you're talking about the contrast and I did, you know, you, you already talked about it, but I wanted to point out to people too, that, you know, when you did take this longer extended break, you know, which you had, which you had resistance to, and we were working through it, but you had, you had already been working on, you know, the awareness of recognizing your emotion, you know, your emotions, your urges, and you had already been working on feeling sensation and, the other thing too is um, that I know that you worked on quite a bit too was paying attention to what was happening when you did drink, like mm-hmm. kind of before, during, and after too. So it wasn't like you know you had taken this break and like no urges because you had already been, and that's why I, I tell people um, you know taking your last sip is the first step because there's a little warming up that it takes of like oh I can start to pay attention to my habit to the habit of alcohol and to my relationship to alcohol from a completely different perspective while I'm still drinking. And it just kind of starts to slow the process down. But then there does come a point where you have to have that contrast. And if you just keep reinforcing the pathways of alcohol with alcohol, you can't fully ever, you know, really reduce the desire to drink because there's that, the chemical part of alcohol that your body's still going to crave for that was reasons. that was another key key realization for me. I remember I, I remember thinking about this as I was. We live in this mountain town. I distinctly remember I'm driving up the mountain, driving my daughter to a ski lesson. I think, and I was thinking about this concept of like you get an urge to do something, and then you do it. <clears throat> You're reinforcing that that urge, like. Like whatever, like when you, when you get an urge to do something, whatever your outcome is, is like, you're just reinforcing that pattern. Right. So it's like, I think the analogy that, I mean, maybe you brought it up is like, you might get the urge to like punch someone in the face, but do you punch them in the face? Most of us don't, you know, like we don't hit, we teach our kids this, right? Like if you get angry with someone, you don't hit them. But what, when, when you get the urge to drink and then you drink, What you're reinforcing there is that when the urge pops up to drink, I drink. You're reinforcing that habit. You're creating this, again, super highway where what you want is like this grassy little path that you can hardly see, you know, around alcohol and habits. Um, So that for me was like, when I get an urge, like what, what, what result am I reinforcing by the action that I take or don't take? Mm -hmm. So it just became very clear. 
clear to me that if I get an urge and I choose to drink, I'm just reinforcing the habit that I don't want. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I want to make that change, I have to take different action. Mm-hmm. I have to get an urge and I have to not drink. I have to retrain my brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, and it's circumstantial too, I'll say with, you know, because some, some circumstances or beliefs or thoughts are much easier to overcome than, than Mm -hmm. other ones, right? Like some of the beliefs are more deeply ingrained, um, that it won't be as much fun or, you know, whatever. So how, how does it feel when your dogs bark now? Um, I mean, it's (laughs) still annoying depending on the situation, but yeah, I, I think if I have those moments now, and then they're, you know, end of day, daughter comes home, blah, 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 whatever. I, I've just realized, like, I I think that the, the, the way I handle it now, if I just trying to think about it, it's just become unconscious. I, I always, I think what I do is I take a breath and I'm like, oh, this is just that time of the day. And I don't always love this time of the day. I have a very peaceful existence working from home during the day. (laughs) And then it gets, it gets active and I make dinner. I don't, and I hate cooking. I hate cooking. So it's not even like, oh, and now I get to cook. That'll take my mind. No, I hate the cooking too. So it's like, all right, well, this is just this time of the day. And this is what I do at this time of the day. And you know, it's okay. I know that this is gonna, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I even know what else I say to myself. I'm just like, yeah, it's okay. This is just this part of the day. It's a chore kind of that I have to do part of the day. Um, yeah. But that pathway to alcohol isn't there anymore. Um, no, not really. I mean, it'll pop in and then I'll be like, I don't know, like last night, I think there, there wasn't an urge to drink. It was more of just like, I kind of thought like, was there anything that would make this better, like more enjoyable for me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I thought like, well, should I go grab my water bottle or, or just, does a drink of something sound good? And like, I, I grabbed like a, I like tonic water and lime. I think, you know, I made myself a little tonic. Like, I'm like, oh yeah, that's kind of like a sparkly fun little thing. But I don't like, I also knew like, I, I absolutely know I don't want to drink because I know what else I want to do this evening. And I know how I want to sleep. And I have way more motivation around not drinking most nights than, than anything else than, than, than drinking. I don't know. It's just, yeah, it's just completely different. And it's so nice. It's so nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just, I'm so proud of you. It's so awesome. Did, um, so what's the, the biggest fear that you had, you said was, you know, feeling like a life without alcohol, the majority of it would feel like you were in deprivation. Is any of that feel true to you? Not at all. I mean, if anything, the opposite is true. If the majority of your life, if you drink the majority of the days of your life, you're depriving yourself of really living. You're depriving yourself of feeling, of fully showing up for yourself, for the people around you. I mean, achieving your total human potential. Um, it's, it's so much more liberating. It it was a cloud. It was definitely a cloud. There's this, in the industry that I work in, we have an activity that we're trying to shift the industry away from doing and and making the focus. And it was funny when we were working together, I had just done a webinar talking about how we need to put this activity in its place. We need to not let it take up a hundred percent of our time and efforts. We need to just you know, it needs to be this piece that we do, not the whole thing. And then I was like preparing for our coaching call. And I was like, wait a minute, that's exactly what alcohol is for me right now. It's this cloud. And it's like, it's just there and it's overshadowing so much, or it feels like it is. And I want to put it where it belongs. It belongs in this like little corner of my life. Mm -hmm. That's it. And I think that that's the big thing with me to me for, okay. So like not drinking alcohol has helped keep me present. I'm feeling my feelings. I'm showing up better for my daughter. I'm sleeping better, showing up better for myself, all these things. But the other thing, aside from the time that I was literally drinking and under the influence of alcohol, put that aside. Now look at the rest of my time before with that cloud in my life. I was, there was thoughts about drinking. Should I drink today? Oh, well, why did I drink yesterday? I don't want to drink today. Well, now I'm going to go to this event tonight or I'm going to see these people. I'm going to have this dinner. And oh, I don't, how am I going to navigate how much? Well, how much should I drink? How can I control how much I drink? 
oh my God, Mary, the amount of time that I spent sober, just like trying to figure out how I was going to navigate drinking was exhausting mm-hmm. and such a waste of time. Mm-hmm. And I mean, if this helps just one other person out there, there's got to be other people out there who live like this. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, that's I mean, the whole thing. I, I didn't know that though. I didn't, I didn't know that. Like, and I just, that's, that for me was my point though, where I'm like, I just don't want to be thinking about this. This is such a useless habit and I don't want it to have a presence in my life this way. It's not impacting me just when I'm drinking. It's impacting me when I'm living. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think I'm so glad you mentioned it because I really think that's kind of everyone that's probably listening to the show right now is that it's unintentional and it's not your fault. It's just that, you know, you don't need to change to be better suited for alcohol. Alcohol is no longer suited for your life because of because of the, the the chemical makeup of what it is, right? And we can't change that. So that's why just like accepting what alcohol is and that this is how it affects people and how it affects the brain and, and with habitual use and frequency and duration, like this will happen to anyone. And then you're thinking about it when you don't want to be, and it's not your fault. So, you know, I'm just, I, and so that one of the questions that I did want to ask you was about, and it probably ties in a little bit to, um, to just that the feminine embodiment and feeling, but is compassion and, um, showing up for yourself and having your own back. How, how, what kind of role did that play? Well, that's so interesting. Um, that, that to me, when you say that reminds me of like inner child. So inner child work is, is huge. Um, and I have a told you about this a couple weeks ago, I've, I've been kind of waiting to do this session with, there's a woman in town who does energy work and I, she does shadow energy work, <laughs> which is like, Oh, dun, dun, dun. Like that's, that's my daughter. When she, she, she makes that noise when she's like, Oh, doomsday or some, some like, I don't know anyway, but, um, this woman who does this work, she's the cheeriest person you've ever met. But you ask her, what do you do? It's like, Oh, I work with your inner child and your shadow. And you're like, Oh, God, this is going to be awful. But the session I had with her was so amazing. And it really pulled together all the work that we did. And, you know, we, we touched on some inner child stuff during our time together. You helped me, I think, kind of start taking me down the path. I eventually was able to identify what my triggers were really kind of finally putting like naming them, naming when they were established, the specific situation in my childhood that really solidified that trigger. Um, It's an abandonment trigger. And then, um, you know, like there's this whole concept of reparenting yourself. And this is where compassion. Um, And it also ties into the feminine and taking care of myself. Again, I grew up very masculine we live in a very masculine world. I mean, I've succeeded in that way. I feel like, yeah, definitely got that, got that check. That box is checked, but how am I going to come to my own? How am I going to balance out my, you know, feminine side, show up in a feminine way? What does that look like for me? What's my unique expression of femininity? And it really started with me understanding my inner child and what she needed. And I had, I've had a couple of opportunities present themselves in the last six months or so where I realized like, Oh my gosh, like my inner child was the one who like took the reins and started to drive the bus. And she, you know, like, I'm like, Ooh, that was interesting. And I had a couple opportunities to kind of go back and revisit those situations. Maybe, you know, have adult Laura drive the bus and, and, and take care of that inner child. But anyway, this energy session that I did, it was what it came down to was, the mature feminine side of me, it needs to not only reparent my inner child, but it needs to love me, love myself as much as I love others. Think about, and this was, this was a really telling moment when I was at Joe Dispenza too. We do, if you ever go to one of his retreats or you read up on his work, he talks about doing coherence healings. Coherence healing is literally, you are meditating and focused on another person who is ill and sick and needs healing. And you've been trained at this point. I'm getting the chills just thinking about this. These are the most powerful moments. But um, you're you're given a picture of a person. Sometimes they're alive. The people are there. Where I was, we were given a picture. And you're 
you know how to meditate at this point, what you're, you know, the mechanics of what you're doing, how to access the quantum and focus on this person. And it was the most moving part of, of the whole retreat. I'm tears streaming down my eyes. I mean, you're, you know, you think about meditating and sitting in a position for, I don't know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes. I don't even, we logged probably 50 hours of meditation that week, but you're sitting there and this person, you almost feel like their life is in your hands Mm. and um, tears are streaming down my face. And at the end, I remember talking to my sister-in-law who was at the retreat with me. And I just said, I just, the one, one of the thoughts that ran through my head as you're going through that was, I wonder what would happen if I loved myself that much? Wow. I'm able to pick up this picture of a stranger and just pour so much love. Your heart gets so big when you're meditating like that. I mean, you feel it pounding. I mean, your whole body's vibrating. It's incredible. But, but yeah, so I brought that back to that energy session with that woman and thinking about that again, loving myself. And she really encouraged me these very specific things that I could be doing just like, I have a day to myself or just a slower day in my life. Like, you know, slow bath. take, I love baths. What does it mean to take a bath cooking for myself? Like I hate cooking, but she's like, eh, I'm getting intuitively that your food will be more nutrient dense. If you cook it yourself. I'm like, well, of course it will. And yeah, that would be loving myself. If I would actually consciously take the time to make a delicious, you know, I love food. Mm-hmm. So compassion for myself. and. I think like I thought that ran through my head in the last week or so really kind of puts the the cherry on top of this topic is if I, like if I had the opportunity to be in a relationship with myself, like, like make myself the opposite sex or something like knowing who I am, but like knowing what I'm interested in, would I choose to be in a relationship with myself? Um, and I was like, Oh, that's, that's, and I, the answer was, you know, yeah, I, I, I think I'm there. I wasn't there probably a year ago. I I think I am there, but I also clearly see that it is, it is, I have to invest in loving myself every day, you know, or every, every, you know, consistently it's a consistent practice. Um, but there's, there is so much value in having compassion for ourselves and loving ourselves. And we are, we are not taught that. We are not taught that, but that's how we, that's how we change ourselves. And that's how we, I think, start to make a ripple effect that helps to change the world. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I could really feel I've, I've done some work like that where, you know, really going into the field of, of emotion and in that, in the heart space. And it can be so, so powerful. I'm like, I have to go to Joe now. (laughs) So like just to learn his method, you know, um, but the vibration of emotion is, I mean, this is what he teaches essentially. I mean, is how we can time travel and it's how we can time travel to the past to heal our inner child. And it's how we can time travel to the future and something that I've started. And thank you so much for sharing that. Cause it's, it's just so beautiful. I've, you know, started doing this looking at this concept of a belief goal and really feeling into the belief that you want to feel and what does that feel like in your body and what are the decisions that you make along the way starting here you know to get there the building the bridge um from that place of emotion and it really is just compassion and yeah we have to and you know because the act of drinking isn't bad or good. It really just does come down to the results that you want, but there is a process of unlearning. There is a process of taking it down to the studs and deconstructing it. So you have to have your own back Mm -hmm. first and foremost for all the decisions you make, whether you drink or whether you don't drink. And that was for me. And I think for you, what really flipped the switch where it was like, well, I can love myself if I drink. And so I can also love myself if I don't drink it. And then, then like, oh, well, then I get to just choose what I want, mm-hmm. right? And I get to choose. Oh, yeah. Like, then it's like the choice doesn't become so much, this is bad, so black and white. Right. It's not so polarizing. Yeah. So the compassion, I mean, that's, you know, one of our kind of foundational emotions is is so powerful and um yeah, it's, it's everything we, and the more we can do it for ourselves, the easier than it is to do it for other people and not be as triggered. Right. Cause when we're healing those things for ourselves, 
Um, I think the new realm that's really opened up to me is, yeah. is, is how you can't always think you, you will, we will never get that answer by thinking our way to it. hundred percent. There is a realm of feeling there yeah. that's going to help us fill in the gaps and probably accelerate the process overall. And so to me, like, I don't know, that's kind of where I'm, I'm I know that I'm meant to serve the world in a different way. Um, and that, that's the area I'm exploring. I think the key though, if I go back to some of the key takeaways from this deep dive into meditation is, uh, where we are now being present in the present moment. So there's so many ways to just start to practice. And I'm just saying this now to whoever's listening, you could just start to practice. And I've talked about it so much on the show feeling sensation. And it's something that we are just so dissociated from in so many ways. And then alcohol adds that extra layer. And so to start to break away the layers, like just pausing and experiencing your senses, experiencing the vibration in your body right now. And then you can go next level, like Laura's talking about and like start to feel you know, really invoke, wow, what is it? What would that feel like to really own that belief that alcohol, the alcohol is in its place, right? What would that feel like in my body for alcohol to be irrelevant in my life? Well, for me, that's the belief goal. Yeah. It's freedom. Freedom. I think this is a great one. Just take that. And when I first started doing this, I'd be guided to like, okay, feel freedom. And so what would I do in my brain? I'd be like, well, what's a thought that makes me feel free. And for me, it'd be like, Oh, like a vacation day. I've got like the raft, you know, we're going to go river rafting. That's all like in the driveway. And it's like the open road. Yeah. A whole day. Okay. So I'd have to think a thought that would make me feel free Mm -hmm. as I've progressed in doing the work. I can literally be just guided to like feel freedom. And I'll be like, I'll think in my head, I'm like, okay, feel freedom. And then I'll just like let my body take over and see what happens. And then I'll feel this really great sensation. And I'm like, yep, that feels like freedom. Yeah. It's so cool. I'm like, oh my God, I did that without thinking of an experience or a circumstance. Yeah. Wow. That's mind boggling. And like where I want to, like kind of what I want to close with on this whole topic, or we can keep going, but play with it. Like that was the advice that I like when I finally heard that, like, just play with it. Quit being so damn serious. Just yeah. play with it. But you got to play with it to get there. Cause no one can like, you can take a lesson on these things or read about these things. Again, you can like do masculine your way as much as you can. Then you're going to hit a point where you're going to have to allow the feeling and that feminine side of you to just take the wheel, let it take the wheel a little bit and see what happens. Yeah. And boom, one day you're going to see it come together. Yeah. I thank you for saying that. The word that's been coming up a lot lately is soften Mm. and just to soften into it. And you know, that there is this natural, that there's something that's going to support you. Like if you just let go a little bit, um, you know, as much as I have just said, like to try and stay in that present moment, I mean, if you can truly soften into that present moment and allow, just allow yourself to let go, you do not know how, like the universe, let the universe surprise you. Let the universe come and just, oh my gosh, like, mm-hmm. just, like, but you, you won't get that surprise if you, if you're um, white knuckling the control. I mean, we, we can set goals and focus on the future. Lord knows I have, and I have so guilty of thinking about the future every single day, but I'm just really challenging myself to, again, find that gratitude in the present moment, take advantage of the opportunity that's right here in the present moment. Yeah. And, and, and when you do that, what you're doing is you are influencing your, you're influencing that future when every step of the present moment, you really are. And man, yeah, that like you have control in the present moment. You don't have control over where you're going to be, you know, in two days or two years necessarily, but you have to trust in knowing that if you take advantage of the present moment in a positive way with positive intent, highest good for all involved, my goodness, the universe, they're going to lead, it's going to lead you in a positive direction, probably way more amazing than you could have ever imagined. That's what the universe does. It surprises you that way. 
Yeah. It's, but man, it's hard to let go. I'm not going to lie. I'm it's hard to let go. I'm going to acknowledge that. <laughs> right. And, and do you think that, and this might be kind of like one of the final questions that I ask you, but do you think that if alcohol still had the presence in your life, that it, that it did, that this experiencing this on this level would have been possible? No, not at all. I, I mean, just even logistically, I'm, I wouldn't be making time for it. Mm-hmm. You know, my, like yeah. then also just inside my body, like what does alcohol chemically do to your body? My brain wouldn't be in, I mean, no. Yeah. No, it's, and God, it's, it's such an easy trade from this vantage point. It's like, yeah, you know, it doesn't even register. Like this is a hundred percent awesome. And drinking was like point zero 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 one or something like, yeah. you know, I don't know. It's just, it doesn't even register. Get curious. If you're on the fence, just get curious if you're yeah. afraid a little bit. Yeah. And it didn't take that long, right? Like the amount of time that you had invested in alcohol compared to the amount of time that through this lens, by getting curious, by loving yourself, by feeling sensation, right? Like once I, once we got you past the initial resistance, like you got it. Oh yeah. It's, that is kind of funny. If you put it that way, I didn't think about that. Like how many years, it's probably half my life that alcohol has been a presence in it. And yeah, like six months to kind of just, yeah, get curious and start to unravel it. Yeah. Pretty funny. There's so much else going on in my life right now. Again, just like this time in my life and I know what I want to do and I cannot give up on myself right now. Mm -hmm. That was another thing we talked about before the call. It's very clear to me that this is the time in my life. I don't want to, I think about Maybe I'm a morbid person. I think about the moment I'm going to be on my deathbed and I, I've, I've thought about it on and off my entire life. <laughs> like there's a couple of things. I know on my deathbed, I want to have a strong faith. It's been really important to me to figure out my faith. And the other one is I don't want to look back and be like, I wish I wouldn't have. And a, the big one is I wish I wouldn't, like, I don't want to think, I wish I wouldn't have drank so much. Yeah. That, that, that's a big motivator for me. Yeah. Well, my, from my coaching brain, I'm like, the the question is just why, you know, even with the one and done is like, why? I think that's the thing. It's like to, to be able to look on it back to the curiosity, like, oh, well, that was interesting. Now, what am I going to do differently? You know, or like, did I like that outcome? Are we good with that? You know, then, you know, continue with that, whatever it may be, but don't judge yourself. Just get curious, live your life. Mm-hmm. you know, continually, like, I don't know, another thing I keep thinking, I've been thinking about lately at the end of the day is like, do I feel like I did my best today? Mm, I love did, I, did I give my best, you know, and I'll be honest, like, it's very clear to me that if I choose to have a drink, um, I question that a little bit more. You know, so you talked about getting curious. Do you have any, anything else that you, that you'd like to say to anyone who's, um, you know, who's in this place where they're, they're taking alcohol is taking up a lot of their time. Yeah. I think I would close with just kind of putting a bow on what you just said through my own experience. This, you said like, um, coming into your own as a sovereign being like that being like the next phase of humanity no matter what problem you're facing in your life. But I think especially the more personal the problem is or personal, the pain or, you know, and, and, and a a drinking habit certainly is a personal thing, you know, weight loss, anxiety, depression. I mean, you are, you are experiencing that pain. Other people can see it. You can tell other people about it. You can go seek help, help for it. But it's your personal thing that you are personally experiencing. The, the, the solution to getting rid of that problem or remediating it, remediating it, living with it, evolving out of it has to be personal to you. Mm-hmm. Nobody is going to fix it better for you than you. And so have, it's not even, it, it's not even having the knowledge. It's, it's it, what, what it takes is courage. Mm -hmm. It takes courage to allow yourself 
to have the audacity to believe that that answer could be within you, but I'm telling you, it is, it's, it's, it's in all of us, the answer that you need to solve your problem, the best, most solid, permanent, reliable solution is within you. And, and you gotta just start to get curious with it. Once you start to get curious with it, you'll start to develop trust in it. And it's a process. We're all like one of my favorite quotes from Ram Dass. We're all just walking each other home. Mm-hmm. You know, you can learn from others, but you got to do your part. You got to take a few steps on your own and help some other people too. You will, you'll, you know, the courage that you have to take a few steps is going to show some other people, but we can learn from each other, but we got to take our own steps too. Yeah. That is a beautiful bow. Thank you so much. And yeah, thank you everyone for listening. But Laura, thank you so much for your time and all of your wisdom and your curiosity that is never ending. It's what my favorite thing about you. So um, yeah, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone for listening. Have an amazing day. If you are finally ready to get alcohol out of your way, I want to invite you into the Stop Drinking and Start Living program. It is the last time you will ever have to start the process of stopping again. It's your opportunity to learn a new way of life, free of the burdens of alcohol, and find out what's possible when you no longer have the desire to drink. With lifelong access and unlimited live support from me, you will never be left wondering about the how. All you have to know is that you are ready for change. I teach you how to build the clarity, confidence, and commitment you need to be authentically you without alcohol in any situation. It's time to answer the calling of your highest self. Register today by following the link in the show notes or on my website, marywagstaffcoach.com, and I will see you on the inside.